Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is April 20th. Today, before we jump into this week's Come Follow Me block, I wanted to take just a second to ask a favor of you personally, as I do every year on this day. I have a niece who passed away when she was 21 months old, and today is her birthday. She would have been 28 years old. And so today, to remember her, I'm asking, will you do some act of kindness for someone else in her honor today? The best way that my family and I always remember her is through acts of service and acts of love for other people. And so today, as you return your shopping cart to the cart carriage, or as you reach out or smile or bless someone else in some way, would you mind thinking about my niece and doing it in her memory? It would mean the world to me. So let's jump in again to this week's scriptures. We're going to go over to Luke chapter 10. And Luke chapter 10 starts with the Savior calling the 70. I think it's so cool that we get the chance to see a similar structure in the Savior's day to the structure of the church today. Of course, the 70 as we know them haven't always been organized that same way in the church, but it is cool to see these same priesthood quorums and to see how God has always organized a 70 and that he still does that today. We get the chance to see in Luke chapter 10 the power that the 70 had as they went out and preached, that the Savior gave them that same priesthood power to work the miracles that he worked as well. But as we continue on in the book of Luke, we get a chance to see probably the most famous parable that the Savior ever taught, and that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, I'm a really big fan of the Food Network. I love watching food competitions, and I like to see people cook and how they get judged. But something that I've noticed about these food competitions is that oftentimes when a chef has an ingredient that they have to use in their dish, sometimes they try to impress the judges by making that thing in two different ways. For example, they might have to use potatoes and they'd say, well, I've made for you potatoes prepared in two ways. And what I found is that either helps them win the competition or it's their demise. And so today I want to present to you the Good Samaritan done two ways. And the reason why I say that is because here, starting in verse 25, we have a lawyer, or as we've called him before in the New Testament, a scribe, who comes to the Savior and asks him a question. And the first question that he asks is, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, sometimes we overlook that question because we get so caught up in the second question that he asks. But let's not forget the initial question here. What shall I do to inherit eternal life. That's what he came to know. Now, to be fair, the scripture says that he came to the Savior tempting him or trying to tempt him. So he's trying to test him, maybe try to get him tripped up in the law. And the Savior, being the incredible teacher that he is, and also understanding the scribe's intent, answers his question with a question. And he says, what is written in the law? How readest thou? basically saying, hey, you're the expert in the law. What do you say? What do you think? Something that I like about that, though, is that that's also a really fantastic teaching technique that the Savior teaches us there. When we're asked a question, being able to kind of reform that question and getting your students to answer the question is a fantastic way to teach. And I love that we see the Savior modeling that there. That's just my nerdy teacher in me that likes that. But the scribe answers, well, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor like unto thyself. And so 
he names these two laws that are given in the law of Moses, love God and love your neighbor. And the Savior, knowing that that was good, said, yep, you're right. Good job. But then wanting to push it, the scribe continues on and he asks a second question. He says, and who is my neighbor? Now, sometimes we get so caught up in that second question that we forget about the first one. So I want to give you the parable of the Good Samaritan done in two ways, meaning we're going to focus on the first question and what the Savior is teaching us through this parable to answer the first question. And then we're going to focus on the second question and what the Savior teaches us in this parable to answer the second question. Today, we're going to focus on the first question, though. Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So let's talk about this parable and see how we can apply it to ourselves and see what it teaches us about how we inherit eternal life. Remember the story. There's a man traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho and thieves attack him. They strip him of his clothes. They wound him. They leave him half dead. And a priest walks by him and passes by, a Levite passes by him, and then a Samaritan comes and sees him and has compassion on him and goes to him and helps him, binds up his wounds, carries him away, puts him in the charge of someone else to care for him, and essentially saves this man. Now, it's so easy for us to look at ourselves and say, okay, I have to put myself in this story, so I'm going to put myself in the place of the Good Samaritan. That's what I'm supposed to do to inherit eternal life. But I want to think about this parable slightly different than maybe we've thought of it before. And maybe we aren't the good Samaritan in this story. Maybe we are the man who has been robbed and left for dead. Something that I find really interesting is how the Savior gives us the geography here. He says that this man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Something fascinating about that road from Jerusalem to Jericho is it was often called the Red Way or the Bloody Path because of the violence and the robbery and the thieving that happened there. It was such a dangerous path to take. And one of the reasons is, is that Jerusalem sat at about 2,500 feet above sea level and Jericho sat at 850 feet below sea level. But the distance between the two of them was only 15 miles. So in 15 miles, it went from 2,500 feet above sea level to 850 feet below sea level. And so the road to get from Jerusalem to Jericho was just filled with switchbacks and deep, deep crevices that people had to travel. And so it was the perfect place to hide, making it a perfect place for thieves to go and to attack. But we also get that beautiful symbolism of coming down to Jericho. My friends, you and I are on a treacherous path as well. We have come down from our pre-mortal realm, and we are in a very treacherous way right now. There are times when we feel beaten and left for dead. There are times when we are the unconscious person lying on the side of the road, and there is nothing that we can do of our own power or our own will to rescue ourselves. We can't hike ourselves out of that scenario. We can't get ourselves where we need to be. We rely on the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of our Savior to pull us out of that place. All our efforts, all our obedience, all that we do isn't enough. We cannot save ourselves. Elder Oaks once said, Man unquestionably has impressive powers, 
But after all our obedience and good works, we cannot be saved from the effects of our sins without the grace extended by the atonement of Jesus Christ. Man cannot earn his own salvation. What I love here is that it says that there were two other people that passed by. There was the priest and the Levite. And sometimes in our broken states, sometimes in our desperation, we search somewhere else for the mercy and the grace that we need. We search other places for the saving grace that we need. Sometimes it's in self-help books. Sometimes we look to other people. Sometimes we look to the philosophies of men or the opinions of the world. But my friends, ultimately, those things cannot help us. They cannot save us. We need Christ. We need him to look upon us with mercy. We need him to bandage up our wounds, to place us on his shoulders, and to entrust us in the care of people who can help tend to us. One of the beauties of the church is that it gives us that opportunity to care for one another the way the Savior would care for us, to look out for one another the way the Savior would look out for us. Ultimately, my friends, like the man lying on the side of the road, there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves except rely on the goodness, mercy, and grace of goodness himself, even Christ. Because in the end, all we can do is have faith in him and trust in his redeeming power and love. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 